Well, in lots of different ways, uh, we're influenced, aren't we, by the people around us. So, for example, when I choose to put clothes on to go down the street, uh, why do I choose a pair of jeans as opposed to a tutu or a, a, a skirt or some flared pants? Uh, why is that? Well, it's just because, well, there's, yeah, that's right, there's lots of reasons why. Um, <laughs> chicken legs and all that sort of thing. Um, but the main reason why, isn't it? The main reason I put on a pair of jeans is so that I fit in with people around me. I don't want to stand out. Uh, it can get a little bit more serious, though, can't it? Uh, like for a teenager, if they start smoking, the main reason that they would do that is so that they can fit in with the people around them. Or the dad trying to work his way up the corporate ladder, and so he becomes obsessive about pleasing his boss and being willing to do anything for him and wanting to impress the boss and at the same time, of course, sacrificing any time that he could spend with his family. In lots of little and big ways, we're influenced, aren't we, by the people around us. Now, the danger, of course, is that when it is a big issue, uh, not tutus, but when it is a big issue, uh, the lure of fitting in and the attraction of uh, being accepted by the people around us, it can actually lead us down a dark path. And that's the warning that we really have for us as we come to the end of the letter of Galatians this morning, uh, because it's not some little issue that Paul's got uh, in mind here. It's a it's a very big issue that Paul has, and it's all about holding on to Christ crucified. It's standing in line with him and not abandoning him. Because boasting in Christ, like Paul says, if you're serious about that, that's not going to win your friends. If anything, it'll win you enemies. And as that happens, we need to make sure that we're more interested in pleasing God than we are about pleasing the people around us. Because otherwise, we'll find ourselves led down the dark path of abandoning Jesus. And as we've seen over the past few weeks, when you go down that track, you don't get left with very much at all. Now, to understand this last section of Galatians, we're going to need to remember why Paul wrote this letter. Uh, So remember, there's a a group of people in amongst the Galatian churches spreading a false gospel. Uh, And this false gospel said that, yes, you need Christ, but you also need to become Jewish and to obey the Old Testament law in order to become one of God's people. And a big reason why this group existed, this law gospel people, was because of the Jews of the day. Because the Jews of the first century intensely persecuted Christians. Christians were saying that the crucified Jesus of Nazareth was in fact the Christ, God's appointed king over all the world, and that he was raised from the dead as the ruler and judge of the world. Now this idea was bordering on blasphemous to the Jews, and so they went out of their way to stamp Christianity out. And it wasn't fun to be on the end of their persecutions. You could just ask Paul, because Paul himself had been involved in those persecutions. He'd had others beaten up and killed because they were Christian, and then he became a Christian, and he was suffering beatings because he'd become a Christian. There was very good incentive to not be on the wrong end of the Jews of the day. However, despite the Jewish hatred for this Jesus as the Christ, the crucified Jesus was also, strangely, attractive. Because his resurrection from the dead was hard to ignore 
Amazing things were being done in his name. Wonderful blessings were said to come through him. And so some people felt torn because they wanted Christ crucified. Uh, they, they wanted uh, to, be, to enjoy all that he had to offer, but they didn't want the persecutions from the Jews because of him. And so they came up with a compromised position. They said, you need both Christ and the Jewish law. And in this way, they were trying to keep the Jews at bay by showing that they were Jewish as well. And this law gospel people, they were powerful. Back in chapter 2, even the apostle Peter caved into them. And this letter of Paul's to the Galatians is written to strengthen the, the, uh, the Galatian Christians uh, not to cave in to this law gospel group. Because as we've seen, to add anything to Jesus, you lose him altogether. And so the Galatians' salvation was at stake. But not only this law gospel, not only was their message false, uh, the, the re- they also had false motives because the reason they had abandoned the, the pure gospel of Jesus wasn't because that that gospel was wrong. They were simply wanting to avoid being persecuted by the Jews. And so they were trying to get the Galatian Christians to convert to their law gospel so that they could avoid being persecuted and so that they could boast before the Jews. Have a look at chapter 6 and verse 12. Chapter 6, verse 12. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly, uh, that's the law gospel people wanting to impress the Jews, those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. Now being circumcised was a big symbol of being Jewish, of being under the law. Circumcision ticked all the right boxes as far as the Jews were concerned. And so a quick way of convincing the Jews that you were still Jewish was to get more and more people circumcised. But they were doing it all in order just to avoid being persecuted. It was all about keeping the Jews happy. It was all about boasting in front of them and trying to impress them. It was living in fear of them. When I was in year 12 uh, in my English class, I'm not quite sure how it came up, but our teacher asked us if anyone in the class was willing to die for someone or something. Now this was a great opportunity for me to take my stand uh, for Jesus. I was a bit slow coming out of the blocks, unfortunately. And to make matters worse, my friend who was sitting next to me, Damien, uh, who I'd been speaking to heaps about Christianity, uh, in the pause, as the teacher was waiting for people, you know, is anyone out there? Are they willing to die? He quietly asked me, well, Alan, would you die for Jesus? My reply, quietly, I'm thinking. Now, not surprisingly, I was still thinking. Uh, when our teacher moved on to something else and I felt guilty about not taking a stand and so I then said to Damien, hey Damien, I've thought about it and yes, I would die for Jesus. Now do you reckon Damien believed me? That after I was too scared to put up my hand in our English class, after chickening out because I didn't want my classmates thinking I was some sort of weirdo, that after bailing on Jesus because I wanted to fit in, that I would then go and die for Jesus? Or the lure of the crowd and not wanting to be persecuted, I chickened out. You ever done something like that? Found yourself in a place, you can take a stand for the Lord Jesus, but you bail. 
for fear of the people around you. Uh, in our pluralistic age where everyone's entitled to their, their opinion, you can't say that anyone's wrong and what right have you got to tell me how to live? Uh, in this sort of environment, we can feel the pressure, can't we, of not wanting to rock the boat. I can't really say that Muslim is wrong and so I'm just going to keep quiet because everyone can believe what they want to believe. Ever felt that sort of pressure? Well, we need to feel the pressure of Christ crucified. And that he declares that he's right and every other option's wrong and we should lovingly point out the truth claims of the Lord Jesus Christ to our friends and to our family, even when there's pressure not to. Because instead of being the people who avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ, we're to be the people who boast in the cross of Christ. Instead of abandoning the cross and wanting to boast before people, Paul holds onto the cross wanting to boast in it. Have a look at verse 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Instead of wanting to boast about people, in front of people, Paul never wants to boast at all except in the Lord, in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now to boast in the cross is simply to live by the cross whatever the cost. Uh, the world may try and shout you down. The world may offer you security and safety if you stop living by the cross of Christ, but whatever the cost, you'll live by the cross. Because in Christ, the pleasures of this world, the attractions and appeal and the enticement and the lure of the world around us, they mean nothing to us now. As Paul says, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We're dead to this world and this world is dead to us. The enticement and the seduction of having the approval of the people around us, it has no pull on us anymore. Uh, at school, there's the whole peer pressure thing, I'm sure you can remember it, wanting to fit in with the people around you, uh, a little bit insecure about who you are. It generally means not wanting to be left out of the crowd and you want to have friends and fit in and be accepted. And so we find ourselves doing dumb things in order to fit in and be accepted. Now, when do we stop playing those games? Uh, does adulthood bring the maturity uh, that we don't have to pander to others and we don't worry and don't put so much effort into getting the approval of others? Well, there's two people that I respect greatly and they both have told me that it, take, it, it took them until they were beyond 50 to stop caring about what others think and to get brave about sharing the gospel, realising life's too short, to, to spend pleasing the people around you and the Lord Jesus is more than worth it anyway. Have you learnt that lesson yet? Or do you still go quiet because you're worried about what others will think? Do others even know if you're a Christian? Because we're to be the people who boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, not desiring the affections of the world around us, but boasting in Christ even when it brings persecution. Now, why does Christ have this effect on us? Why does he arrest us? Why does he captivate us like this? Why is it when it comes to the world around us, it doesn't appeal to us anymore and we don't crave after their approval and their acceptance? It's because the world can't offer us anything that would even come close to the riches and the glories we have in the Lord Jesus. What really counts is a new creation, the hope of eternal life, Peace with God, mercy from God, and we've got it all 
in Christ. Have a look, verse 14 again. Verse 14 again. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. See, circumcision, uncircumcised, doesn't matter. Israelite, Gentile, doesn't matter. Nothing matters now except a new creation. What really counts is being one of God's new creations because he started this already. God has already made us in Christ a new creation. It's the sorts of things that we've been seeing already as we've been going through Galatians during this last term. Uh, God starting his new creation in us includes things like, if you can remember as we've gone over Galatians, us being justified before God. Sinners, yes, innocent in his sight because of Jesus. Uh, That in Christ we have the blessings of God. We've been made into the sons of God, into the heirs of God. Through Christ we've been given the Spirit of God and we get to call on God as Father. In Christ we've been set free by God, free from having to perform for him, set free to live for him. In Christ we have peace with God, no longer enemies with God. We've received mercy from God not being treated as our sins deserve. And so you see, in Christ, we're a new creation. We've been, we've been made new in all these ways and as if all this wasn't enough. As we saw last week through the Lord Jesus, we will reap eternal life in the new creation that God will usher in at the return of the Lord Jesus. Now what could the world possibly offer us that could stack up to what we have in Christ? Nothing. Nothing. And Paul knew it, and that's why he was willing to be beaten up for the sake of Christ. Have a look, verse 17. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Now, by the marks of Jesus, uh, Paul is simply talking about being beaten up for the sake of Christ. He's not saying that his hands and feet suddenly start um, bleeding every now and again. It's just that he's got scars. He's got scars on his body from where he's been beaten and clubbed and stoned because he lived by the cross and he told people about the cross and he boasted in the cross. And that is the exact opposite of the law gospel people, remember? They just wanted to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Well, Paul boasted in it to the point of being beaten up for it. And from what we've seen in Galatians, why would you abandon Christ in favour of the approval of the world around you. In fact, even if you hound us, even if you persecute us, even if you threaten us, we won't abandon the cross of Christ, will we? Certainly that's the way we're meant to be. And we're only going to be like that when we understand the greatness of the Lord Jesus. It's only as we appreciate Christ over everything else that we'll abandon everything else to live for him. On my wedding day, I chose Catherine to be my most important and closest human relationship, and so I'll fight for her. I won't let anything push her to one side in my life. I'm not going to stand for people taking sides against her, but you don't need a wife or a husband to be like this, do you? Uh, When you're growing up, 
And you've got brothers and sisters, of course, uh, you annoy them and you tease them and you pick on them. But as soon as they got in trouble, you're the first person to stand up for them. Even if it meant things got a little bit dangerous. Even if things get a little bit dangerous for us as Christians, we're going to stick to our guns, aren't we? And things can get a little dangerous. Things can get a little uncomfortable. Because holding to the cross of Christ doesn't win you friends. It'll win you enemies. You hold to the cross of Christ, you're going to tell people that they can't save themselves and that they're hopeless sinners. Boasting in the cross of Christ, you're going to declare that the only way to be right with God and to enjoy his blessing is to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him to save you. That the way people are currently living, it's not just flawed, it's wrong. And they need to repent of their sin before God and ask him for mercy. Holding to the cross of Christ is to say to people that their lives need to dramatically change because only Jesus Christ is Lord. Now as you say those things to your neighbour, things might get awkward and uncomfortable. As you share this gospel with your friends in the village, at the club, at school, at work, you could be in danger of losing uh, people's respect. They might start to snub you. Uh, Maybe they'll turn on you more directly and you'll be the butt of their jokes or their snide remarks. Uh, Boasting in the cross of Christ and not uh, craving the approval of the people around you, you might get picked on. As you drop into the conversation that on the weekend you went to church, people might look at you funny and sort of peg you as one of those goody-goodies. Wanting to tell others about Jesus might mean that uh, people leave you on the outer They deliberately leave you out of conversations. You don't get invited to things anymore. And this circle of friends you used to mix in, they don't want you anymore. As people talk to you about their money and their mortgages and the latest gadgets that they bought, and you tell them that, well, you actually gave up on chasing after money because you found something much better in Jesus. Well, they might think you're weird and politely move away. As you invite your friends and your family to an evangelistic event that we might be running, they might scoff at the idea of Jesus and throw your invitation in the bin. I want us to be clear that boasting in the cross of Christ doesn't mean that we're all going to be gun-ho evangelists. Uh, boasting in the cross doesn't mean that every time you're talking to someone about Jesus, you're going to be able to tell them the entire gospel. Uh, it could be just mentioning that you go to church. It could be just uh, telling them what you think about money or the local elections or refugees or anything really, and as you talk to them from a Christian perspective, uh, it can be a whole bunch of little things, boasting in the cross of Christ. And some of us are better at it than others, but it doesn't mean that we all shouldn't get in there and have a go. And as we do, we could find that people don't want to listen to our opinions anymore. We could find ourselves ostracised, gossiped about, unsavoury rumours spread about you. Boasting in the cross of Christ might even mean losing a friend being disowned by your family. There's lots of things in this world that clamber for our allegiance. Friends, family, workmates, school friends, and they're good things in their own right. But if we do things to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ, that's hardly boasting in it, is it? We also need to remember that telling people of the cross of Christ might also mean that they do put their trust in the Lord Jesus, that they turn to him for forgiveness and salvation, 
God loves to save people. shouldn't surprise us when that happens. He's a mighty God and he's powerful at work. In Psalm 73, a man by the name of Asaph looks out on the world and the pleasures that it offers and he gets envious because he doesn't have them. But then he remembers all that he does have in God and he says to God, these are great words, Whom have I in heaven but you? And the earth, sorry, and earth has nothing I desire beside you. Whom have I in heaven but you? And nothing, the earth has nothing I desire beside you. Compared to God, what can this world offer us? What could the world, including our most treasured, treasured and prized relationships, what could the world possibly offer us? that would stack up to being justified before God, being given the Spirit of God and having him as your Father, made into an heir of God, by the Spirit of God free to live for God, assured by God of eternal life after the grave. What could they possibly offer up to stack up to that? Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you? I pray that we're so captivated, engrossed by the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he brings, that to avoid being persecuted doesn't even cross our minds because we boast in the cross of Christ and we live for the cross, whatever the cost. Whom have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing I desire besides you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to appreciate just the the majesty of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and all that he has won for us, that we might glory in him, boast in his cross. Father, may we be so captivated by him that this earth has nothing we desire besides you. So, Father, we pray that we would boast in your Son in little and big ways, Father, may we want to gladly live for him, whatever the cost. And so, Father, as persecutions and trials come, as we boast in your Son and in his cross, give us the strength to endure and the wisdom to see this world rightly, that the world has nothing compared to what you give us in your Son. So may we live for him, to praise his name. Amen.